This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. There isn't much doubt that mobile is the wave of the present and the future for retailers and many other business sectors. In fact, industry trade group GSMA recently noted that the mobile economy would be worth $1 trillion to North America by 2020, and it's expected to keep growing. And those numbers mean that the focus on marketing to these consumers is more important than ever. Wharton Marketing Professor David Bell joins us here in the studio to discuss the trends. And then also joining us on the phone is NYU's Aninja. Ghosh, who's Professor of Information Operation and Management Services, as well as a Professor of Marketing. And Ninja has a book coming out in April called Tap, Unlocking the Mobile Economy. David, great to see you again. Yeah, great to see you too, Dan. Thank you. And Ninja, great to have you joining us as well. Thank you, Dan, for having me. Thank, thank you. I, I know the, 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 that the overall global numbers are well above that, that $1 trillion plateau I mentioned, but right. in, in some respects, as as important as, as smartphones and, and mobile is to the economy, I'm a little surprised we're not already at a trillion dollars right now. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I think the adoption has been slower than we would have expected. Um, so if you look at, you know, consumer usage of these devices and the actual amount of money being pumped in, there's actually a big difference there. So, for example, as of last year, Consumers were spending, on an average, 25% of their daily time on these devices, but advertisers were only pumping in 12% of their ad dollars on the mobile economy. So there's a big disconnect there, and there's an inefficiency there, which leads to a huge potential for monetization. And, And that's something that I talk about in my book. So how do companies try and close that gap a little bit? So, you know, I think the key here is, is, is balance. And so what I mean by that is, you know, mobile marketing is a powerful approach with other forms of marketing, advertising from direct TV to print to pop-ups and even search engines can't really come close to matching. But the reality is in the digital world, a lot of folks find advertising on mobile devices annoying or intrusive. And, and these, they strongly dislike these ads that ruin their browsing or consumption experience. Um, but the reason this happens is twofold. One is, you know, consumers are, uh, brands don't have enough information about consumer preferences. So they're showing them, you know, a bunch of ads or sending them a bunch of offers like throwing darts in there, hoping one would stick. Um, but in return, what happens is, you know, people get overwhelmed and annoyed by those offers and the tune out. So the solution here is figuring out an optimal balance where the number of offers should be less frequent than what it is right now and should be more relevant and targeted. And that's where I essentially talk about this you know, two-way communication between consumers and brands, where if consumers are willing to share more information about themselves, then brands are going to be able to use mobile as a concierge and as a butler, but not as a stalker. It is amazing. I, I, I mean, we talked about this when you were on with us the last time, about how that connection between business and consumer is really most of it channeled through mobile these days. Yeah, and I think what's uh, really fascinating here too, Dan, and I'm very curious to, to uh, Aninja's view on this, is that in some sense, you know, the, the holy grail of marketing is, you know, I know who Dan is, uh, I know where he is right now, he's got his mobile phone, I've got this information about his past behavior, so in yeah. theory, um, I should be able to target Dan with things he really wants, and the response rate should be really large. But I think is this case, Sininja, that this is not what we're finding. And I'm just curious as to um, what you see as kind of good mobile 
marketing and what, what the general return that people are seeing when they do things like display advertising on, on mobile devices? Right. I, I think, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of what's happening is, like I said, there is a disconnect between, you know, consumer preferences and marketers and brands knowing, uh, you know, what they want, when they want, what they, and how they want it. And, and there are a number of reasons for this. Uh, you know, the, the current ad tech ecosystem has become extremely fragmented. Uh, there are, you know, hundreds of players in the ecosystem, each of which essentially creates and stores data in silos. And then it's, be, it's becoming non-trivial to stitch all these data about consumer profiles together. And every now and then, you know, you see some brands able to do this successfully. And when they do this, you know, the returns are, are huge and massive. The other piece is on the consumer side, they, you know, people generally have concerns about how is my data being used. So whenever we've seen some success, we follow, the reason we've seen that is we follow two, you know, guiding principles. That is, you know, notice and consent. So... Brands need to notify consumers about you know, how they're going to use their mobile data in what context. And then consent, meaning that they, give to, they need to give consumers a choice about whether they want to leverage those offers or not. So notice and consent becomes you know, the go-to mantra for marketers. And when, we, when we've done that in our studies and in our projects, we've seen tremendous success. So I think just to follow up, I was actually teaching a class here at the Wharton School the other week, of course, uh, using some of your, your information there in India. You were my go-to guy when it comes to talking about, uh, talking about mobile. And uh, I think that the listeners may find this very interesting. As a study, I believe you were one of the, the authors, um, about how people react to mobile advertising when they're in a very confined space. For example, traveling on a crowded subway in a place like Tokyo or New York City or Seoul or any of the other world's major uh, metropolises. And I believe you found something very interesting there. Right, right. So this was a, a joint study you know, co-authored with Michelle Andrews at Emory and Shuming Lu at uh, Temple University. And it was a pretty exciting project where what we did was we started to look at, you know, what I call one of the nine forces of the mobile economy. And, and this force is a force known as crowdedness, which mm-hmm. basically means, you know, uh, what is the extent of crowdedness in the immediate context of the proximity of the consumer. So what we did was we essentially ran a, a large-scale field experiment on crowded subways in China, in, in a big city in China, where essentially we leverage variation in crowdedness over time and then send them pe- people offers for various products and services on their smartphones. And what we found is that essentially as the level of crowdedness in your immediate context keeps increasing, people are more likely to accept and redeem offers coming on their mobile devices. Hmm. So crowdedness actually increases people's... <laughs> and, and what do you think is the... Uh, what's the mechanism that's, uh, that's driving this? So, you know, Dan and others are crushing into my, uh, <laughs> my space here. Dan well, and I are actually nicely spaced out in the studio, but... Uh, well, Ninja, I was going to say, so I, I take the train every day into work into Philadelphia, so I feel crowded to begin with on the train, and now I feel crowded more on my phone with, with everything that I get sent to me. <laughs> right. So what happens here is that, you know, we, when we are surrounded by these, you know, strangers... What we don't do is we don't, like, reach out and start saying, hello, I'm so-and-so. What we try to do is we take our phones out, and we basically immerse ourselves in our phones. And that phone becomes our private space. It's our escape space where we essentially, you know, want to escape into. And so those 20 minutes or 30 minutes of the average commute that the person has, they get so immersed in their mobile devices that uh, brands now have their undivided attention. So if at that point in time, during those 20 to 30 minutes, they can figure out what you want, then consumers are more likely to actually pay more attention to those messages. 
and they are consequently more likely to accept those offers. But, uh, is, so. but, but isn't it, Anina, I mean, I, I think that the interesting, and, and just going off of my uh, recollection, you know, in, in the last couple of months, you know, I have three kids, 10-year-old 10, uh, 10 and 7-year-old twins. They all play soccer, and they love playing soccer. And, and I have obviously been looking online for a variety of different pieces of equipment, you know, soccer cleats, whatever. And, and I get bombarded with a variety of different, uh, you know, ads right. on my mobile experience, right. but, but I don't necessarily make that final purchase. So right. that's that big mm. hurdle that you have to kind of climb over. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point that you bring in, which is the question of attribution. You know, so what we see is mobile ends up leading to about 2 or 3% of final conversions, right. but it is influential in triggering up to 40% of final sales. Hmm. And, and hmm. that disconnect, so, you know, many marketers would, you know, essentially be cynical about mobile because they're looking at you know, mobile as an immediate trigger for conversion. But quite often, like just the way you said, you know, you might get exposed to an ad on your smartphone or your tablet, but, you know, you might go offline or you might go to your desktop to make the final sale, final purchase. So just on that point, Anindra, and following on from Dan's example, you know, buying uh, soccer gear for his, for his kids, um, is it the case that certain kinds of products or services are more suitable for a mobile, let's say, marketing or advertising environment? You know, if I'm... Um, uh, Virgin America, am I better off going mobile than, say, if I'm, uh, you know, bonobos trying to sell you a pair of pants? Are there certain kinds of products or services that you found mm -hmm. in your research really resonate with the mobile device for whatever reason? Right. So in, our, in my book, actually, I talk about a number of different industries where we've seen some great gains from mobile. So, you know, retail, uh, consumer banking, hospitality industry, airlines, travel and tourism, e-commerce, and so on. These are some of the five or six sectors we have seen tremendous adoption of you know, mobile devices and mobile platforms by consumers and brands alike. And, and, so, uh, and some of the, the successful case studies we have seen actually come from these industries. But pretty soon, you know, my, I also sort of envision that this is not just going to be a B2C phenomenon. It's going to get into the business-to-business -business world as well. Hmm. It's only a matter of time. Hmm. Uh, I, I guess the other piece to ask, and, and considering the time of the year that w we are in uh, doing this interview, uh, you know, we're getting close to the holiday shopping period. Right. And, and I'd be interested to know, in terms of strategy and, and that, that, that frequency, obviously companies now are thinking more about, you know, how do they reach the consumer so that they can make that purchase before the holidays? And obviously we're getting, you know, right after the holidays, your, your year end. So they want to, you know, obviously improve that bottom line going into 2017. Yep. So, you know, one of the things, one of the focus in my book is about these nine forces that are shaping the mobile economy. And, you know, I ta start by talking about context, which is sort of the super force, as in, you know, why your customer is here, what he or she wants, and how he or she is feeling. Uh, but then there's also other factors like location and time and weather and crowdedness, like I mentioned. So for a retailer that's trying to leverage, you know, the next few days to reach out to a consumer, what they need to do is essentially figure out, you know, this concept of in-the-moment marketing, which is the better you know the consumer's context, uh, the why, what, and how, and the better you know some of the other forces, if you can combine these, you know, the, the essence, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. So right. what we've seen over time is those retailers that are able to abide by, again, this, cons this notice and consent mantra and then combine these forces, uh, you know, they see, you know, 30% redemption rates on their mobile offers as opposed to a generic redemption rate of 1%. So, 
Maybe um, I think it's fascinating that you can get such tremendous leverage if you really kind of nail, as you say, and injure these uh, these nine forces of context. So this is a slightly different question, maybe uh, outside your wheelhouse. So feel free to, to pass it off. But um, we've seen somewhat of a transition in terms of mobile technology. You know, when mobile first came along, people had mobile websites. Now I think we're in kind of an app economy where, you know, things are very, very focused. I have an app for every business that I deal with. Is there anything interesting that you're seeing or predicting about the evolution of the, the mobile interface that might be important for us to know? So I would imagine that, you know, some of the, in the future, I am, I'm looking at uh, devices that sort of shape themselves into or integrate themselves with mobile, such as, you know, wearable devices. So, you know, we are going to have this ecosystem where, We'll have virtual reality and augmented reality embedded in mobile devices. We will see wearable devices becoming semi-mobile and integrated with mobile devices. We'll also see the Internet of Things that are in our home, such as you know, Google's home, smart home or Amazon Alexa or Echo. These devices also being stitched back with mobile. So what I find most fascinating is that you know, in a couple of years or so, as these you know, Internet of Things and smart homes become more and more mainstream, um, there is an opportunity, again, for companies and firms to further harness and leverage really deeply our, our behavioral data. But because you have so many things that, that are connected via the Internet and through our, our mobile devices, are, are, there, are there concerns that you have out there that we are, you know, we're going to be even, I mean, if you think about how connected we are now, give it another 20 years and, and it, you know, it's, it's going to be right. incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I would think, you know, some of my biggest uh, concern or apprehension or advice to companies is this, this word of balance, which is, like you said, you know, consumers are willing, we're seeing evidence that consumers are willing to come, come forward and share information, but you have to be very, very responsible, yeah. and you have to earn their trust. And, you know, we as consumers, we are willing to give you a chance to earn our trust, but if you, if you make a mistake, then you're going to lose it. Right. And, and, and that, there's a very thin line between acting as a concierge and becoming a stalker. And, and that is my advice to companies is you want to be very careful when you tread the line. Because the good news is, uh, you know, if you look at the glass half full, there is enough evidence now that we have seen over the years that when companies tread that line carefully, the returns from consumers are massive. We are joined by Aninia Ghost, uh, who's a professor at uh, New York University, professor of marketing, as well as professor of information operations and management services. Also joined here in the studio by Wharton Marketing Professor David Bell. We're talking about the uh, mobile economy uh, here in 2016 and beyond. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Yeah, so I was wondering, uh, again, this might be outside your uh, wheelhouse. I think it's a fascinating uh, book, The Mobile Economy, TAP. Um, but are there any sort of pejorative or, uh, or, or downsides of all this technology? You know, you see people, as Dan said earlier, uh, you know, kind of hunched over, uh, maybe in the elevator, no one's making <laughs> right. eye contact. And the reason I'm thinking about this was uh, I was on a flight back from Wharton, San Francisco on Monday, and it was actually quite a relief that the internet was out on the flight, and um, I ended up having real conversations with three other yeah. gentlemen, and uh, we sort of all exchanged contacts and, and uh, planned to meet up in the future, So, uh, yeah. one of whom was a Wharton grad. So. Awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, look, you know, I often like, joke with my friends that mobile is make, making us lazy. No question about that. You know, anything and everything that we have or we need is basically in the form of an app on our smartphone, and, you know, the, the, not too far back in time, I used to have to step out and walk a few blocks to get a, 
a gallon of milk, and now I can just order it on Amazon Prime now. It will come to my door in, in a half an hour or an hour, right? There's that aspect. There's also the social connectivity aspect, like you, already meant, like you mentioned, David, which is that, uh, you know, in, in a world without mobile phones, I would probably make an attempt to introduce myself to some strangers in a, in, in a social setting and have a conversation. But now I don't have the incentive anymore because, you know, anything and everything that interests me is in that device. So, so I have to ask you then, and just a killer question here, when you and your wife are uh, out for dinner, do you, do you put the phones away? <laughs> I think over time I have learned some lessons, some very important lessons, and... No, the phone is pretty much off during those two hours. <laughs> of, co- of course, and in you, the biggest benefactor of this whole explosion of the smartphone market may very well be the headphones industry, because you've got all of those people that right. want to be wearing headphones so that they don't have to talk to people when they're on the train. That's true, and and you know you see that the new iPhone from uh, from Apple, iPhone Seven, yep. also has you know wireless headphones associated with that. You know because they removed the jack, the original jack, so now they have a new setting, and they've introduced new um, wireless headphones. So you're I, right about that. Yeah. I, I know you have to run, but I wanted to ask you one final thing. And, and sure. there's an interesting uh, reporting that I guess right now the that mobile supports about 2.3 million jobs mm-hmm. right now. Uh, obviously, yeah. as this continues to grow, seemingly, mm-hmm. the number of jobs are, is going to continue to grow as well. Absolutely. Look, mobile is contributing to... 4.2% of global GDP, which is $3.1 trillion of economic value. Right. A big part of that is coming from creating creation of new jobs and, and new employment sources. So, you know, a lot of what you see in the sharing economy, for example, is being enabled through mobile. You know, we are hailing cars on Uber and Lyft over devices, and right. drivers are connecting to us. So I see a huge upside to you know, job creation um, and, you know, many other social welfare benefits from the mobile economy as well. Um, but keeping in mind that you know data privacy is an important issue that organizations should be careful about. And Ninja, thank you very much for coming on. I know you have to run to a class, so thank you for giving us your right. time today. Yeah, thank good. you so much for having me, Dan. Great talking with you, David. Okay, likewise, Ninja. Thank, thank you, you. Ninja Ghosh uh, from New York University. Like like you, you came running in here from a class. <laughs> He's running to a class. Well, you know the interesting thing, Dan, this whole digital mobile economy—you still got to run from one building to another. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And Ninja is going to be here in Philadelphia. He is uh, for the digital marketing strategies uh, program that uh, Wharton Exec Ed is doing coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think you probably picked this up, Dan, and maybe our listeners too. I mean, Ninja is a very uh, very modest fellow, very understated, but he's extremely accomplished. I mean, he really is probably the thought leader when it comes to mobile and what's going on in the mobile economy. So it's, it's going to be a real privilege to have him here with our executive students, December 5 to 8, uh, you know, learning really from the guy who's, who's leading the way there. It, it is amazing. And he touched on it briefly is the fact that, you know, we are used to at this point, for the most part, this is our mobile experience, mm-hmm. our smartphones. Mm-hmm. Whereas in 10, 15 years, with the way houses are going to change, cars are going to change, uh, you know, so many different things are going to change. Mobile is, I, I think we mentioned this when you came in here the last time, we're kind of at the, you know, the tip of the iceberg at this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, we see these funny jokes and so on, and uh, and the New York Times and Ninja talked about, um, you know, the connected home, and you have a husband saying to his wife, well, honey, we have to go out for dinner, the fridge is not talking to the stove, you know, so right. uh, we are going to live in this world where everything's connected. And I think as a Ninja rightly raised, 
um, it raises tremendous issues around also privacy as well as all the new businesses, of course, that are going to come out of it. Great to have you here. Good to see you, David. Thank you very much for coming in. Wharton Marketing Professor David Bell joining us here in the studio. Obviously, we had Aninja Ghosh from New York University joining us a little bit ago. And as we mentioned, the uh, uh, for those people that are interested, the uh, digital marketing strategies for the digital economy, economy excuse me, program by Wharton Exec Ed is December 5th through the 8th. Uh, and you can go to executiveeducation.wharton.upenn.edu to find out more. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.